0: Hi, I'm Larissa, and welcome to Imaginal Cells. Each episode, we interview transformational business leaders who are proving that businesses can be a force for good in the world. During the first few episodes, we'll be collaborating and chatting with inspirational business leaders about their purpose and values, and how they've been impacted during this time of change and uncertainty brought about by the pandemic. We'll talk about the challenges they faced, and how they've stayed motivated, and what they've learned along the way. In today's episode, we'll be speaking with Halifax based entrepreneur and investor, Mark St. Ange. He's focused in the wellness, food, and clean tech industry. So let's get on with the conversation. Welcome, Mark.
1: Hey, it's great to be here.
0: Good to see you. So today, I just wanted to talk to you a little bit about uh, purpose and values. What really motivated you to start your business? How did it begin? Yeah. uh... I guess subconsciously there was
1: a purpose. Um, when people ask me kind of like, what is my motive to, to go into business? And it's like, it's not even from a business perspective. It's uh, I'm just really a very creative person, curious person. And, you know, commercial platforms, I guess, is kind of how I express what I know, what I love, what I'm passionate or curious about. So it's just even from an early age, that was the intuitive path for me is to Um, How do you frame up this fun little idea around uh, a business? And lo and behold, you can make that your living.
0: So tell me a little bit about the businesses that you're involved with.
1: Yeah. So like you introduced, you know, wellness is a key area for me. Uh, Food, I'm super passionate about food, healthy food, sustainable food. And I've also kind of ventured into the clean technology area. So within that kind of portfolio of different businesses. Ben Beauty is a nutraceutical company founded in 2016 and it's really taking a unique approach to this idea of skincare and we'll we'll say uh, it is a beauty company, right? But what we're trying to do is expand the definition of what is beauty, especially where it originates from the inside. So it's what we feed ourselves. It's what we feed our minds. It's kind of how we allow ourselves to express ourselves in the most authentic, genuine way. Now, we use the product platform for us is Nutraceutical. So we we do a lot of very innovative research. So it's an evidence-based natural products company Mm -hmm. that is delivering quantifiable benefits for things like skin health, skin conditions, even skin longevity. But as a brand, of course, we lift that into this whole conversation what is beauty, how can we redefine or undefine beauty and create new standards, right? So that we've kind of got this very myopic view of the world and what we need to kind of reestablish is that beauty is so individualized. It's consciously choosing to live your life in a certain way that feels good to you, that you allow yourself to express yourself, that you make very conscious choices. So that's really the path that Bend Beauty is on. ACUTE technology is kind of still really in the wellness side of things, but more from a technology perspective. And so what ACUTE technology does is it has a very novel diagnostic technology. It's actually been surprisingly in development for almost 30 years. So this is a very, very special project and a technology. It's still not into the world today, but it's close to commercialization. And it allows us to, whether it's from a diagnostic perspective or just from a general wellness perspective, to be able to scan the body in a, in a way that was never really, uh, we, we never thought it was possible before. So it's non-invasive, it's real-time data, but it's the whole body, right? And so when we think of a medical or, or healthcare lens, once again, it's back to the, the myopic view of the body. You have your cardiovascular system, you have your nervous system, you have your digestive system, and we have specialists that are really good at looking at those things. But what we really need to do, once again, is like we elevate into away from myopic and and into this more holistic view of the body. Mm -hmm. So now we can actually measure the whole body and we can look at just how it functions, you know, regardless of degenerative or, or pathological states. We have a platform that allows us to see how much the body is reacting to its environment, right? So we wake up in the morning, all we do are make choices. Some of that, those choices support our well-being and the function of our body and, and some of them create like a stress, you know, and stress could come from things we're eating, have a toxic environment. We could have a, uh, that toxic environment could be chemical. It could be even emotional, you know, we're always surrounded by people. Some we like, some we don't like, some we get along with, some we don't. <laughs> and so it's really a, a way to really deepen our awareness of how our body is constantly reacting to its environment. So that's more the the piece that I like. Yes, it's it's going to extend into this uh, powerful diagnostic platform that you know people who really need to look at the body and look at more kind of states of unwell. But uh, you know, in the more proactive wellness sense, this how, helps us to understand how those choices are impacting how we feel, how our body is functioning, and then. You know last but not least uh, small food also a technology that's been in development for quite some time since 2009 is in the well what it's intent to do is create the world's most sustainable protein and we do that using a very novel way of producing protein which is using microbes and these microbes are marine drive microbes uh, so we call this uh, fermentation Biomass technology. And so we found a very, very unique form of microalgae that produces, uh, that can produce this amazing protein that's perfect for humans. And we can produce it in a scalable industrial way far more efficient than anything else on the planet. So this is kind of, once again, connecting food, but also clean technology. This is, if we can't solve for the protein crisis, we can't solve for climate change. So there you have it.
0: Excellent, thank you. Well, it sounds like with all three companies, it's a, really a lot about how we make conscious choices.
1: Absolutely, yeah. There is um, when I was younger as an entrepreneur, it was it was maybe a little bit more subconscious, but still driven from that level of purpose. But sometimes I it took a couple of years after the business was started to figure out, well, what was that purpose? What was that that little kind of seed that was planted? But today, in the businesses we're talking about. These were very, very conscious choices.
0: Very cool. Love that. When I think of a business's purpose, I think of it as their North Star. And you were saying, you know, sometimes it can take a while before you figure out exactly what that purpose is. So can you tell me a little bit about the business purpose with each of the businesses? Or maybe even just with small food?
1: Yeah, let's just focus on small food. And, you know, we have a very, very clear purpose is to nourish a sustainable planet, right? And so this idea that we're in the business of providing really healthy nourishing food that is going to sustain the health of people, but we also need to do that in a way that's going to sustain the health of the planet. So that's why we talk about uh, nourishing a sustainable planet.
0: Excellent. And so what are some of the things that you do as a company in order to make that a reality?
1: Well, certainly there is the it does get expressed through the, the product, the technology platform, right? So we have people need good, high-quality protein to be healthy. And so certainly there's a number of different protein choices out there. This would rank very high in terms of quality of protein.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Also, a lot of food manufacturers will be able to incorporate this into a broad array of products that we love uh, and can incorporate into our lives. But uh, then there's obviously the sustainability piece. You know, we we can do this at with such an infinitesimal kind of footprint from a greenhouse gas perspective. Uh, land requirements, uh, fresh water requirements, as well as emissions like uh, acidifying and eutrophying emissions. So that is kind of obviously a clear expression of that purpose. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we know, it, you know, to really be purpose led as a business, you can't just focus on your technology, that this is where we kind of go in and say, well, it's built from within. And so how do you build that culture, those teams? Right. Uh, And all the incorporate all the different stakeholders that are part of your, we'll call it ecosystem from suppliers and customers, even government and regulators, the media, uh, and of course, every single consumer that uh, we can, you know, help tell our story and create, you know, a, a meaningful relationship.
0: So you were saying really building, building from within. So that includes your teams, the culture, that whole ecosystem. How do you empower others that you work with and have their best interests at heart when you have this amazing product that you're bringing to the world? How do you keep them motivated to drive the project forward? I think motivation, from
1: my perspective, always starts with, once again, creating that purpose. You know, mm-hmm. I, my, my uh, simple belief is like, you know, when you apply effort towards meaningful goals, you create a very positive experience, positive energy. It's very uplifting. That being said, you know, you can be a purpose-led company, which can, you know, I I know I've heard you use the term before, purpose-led to Mm purpose-bled. So, yes, meaningful goals are, are great and they can be energizing, but, you know, business really is around energy management. And so, you know, how do you manage the energy within a business? And that comes down to a lot of those key fundamentals, including, you know, building culture, probably one of the most challenging things for business leaders to do is easy to define something, but uh, to actually to create and embed that within a business is that's, that's the, the real work, isn't it?
0: It definitely is. Once people are involved, right? It becomes a little more <laughs> Darn <tricky>. humans. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So, with building that culture, I know we always talk with partners and clients about the values that they've created in their business. Can you tell us a little bit about the values of Small Food?
1: Absolutely. We like to kind of uh, keep things in threes. You know, I think it's allows us enough breadth to really define, but uh, to you know hold it easily hold it as a context. If you if you create you know eight or nine values, you might actually believe in them all. But what we want to do is people need to be able to hold those values as a context for decision-making. Mm-hmm. And so we've chosen three, energy, love, and magic. And then we, we further define those values into definitions and behaviors. And ultimately, it's, it's the behaviors that drive all the work in the business. So if we do a good job, culture is going to really be a powerful force within the, the business for us to kind of move forward you know, and achieve our vision, you know, and not just achieve what we set out to create, but, you know, really define how that journey is going to feel for everyone.
0: So when you look at those three values or when you have team meetings and you're discussing, you know, energy, love, and magic, how do these guide and influence the everyday within small food?
1: Well, I do think it comes back to, well, it's just the whole idea of like, how do you embed these uh, things in the the work? And, you know, I'll be quite honest, we're still trying to find ways to do that more effectively. I think the more you can help people to understand and maybe coach them around contextual thinking, uh, the more that they can learn to make those decisions on their own. So I think the path you want to avoid with culture is making it too uh, instructional or prescriptive. It's not about creating a manual. It's once again, it's about making conscious choices. So, right. you know, if we say, well, how do we define love uh, within small food? And this, certainly we'll define it different from a lot of other organizations who may also want to, you know, create that as a core value. And so once people understand what love means for small food, then they can hold that as a context for decision making. Now, certainly you can actually support that process by trying to embed it in some level of the process and systems you incorporate to once again run your business to manage that energy within the business but it's it's certainly something that you want to create um you want to empower people uh, to make their own decisions and uh you know and that starts with just being able to clearly define and articulate and be able to have honest conversations about when those behaviors are not even showing up. Right. So that's, uh, not saying we're, we're really redefining the book on culture, but it's always a work in progress. Mm -hmm. And we know the benefit, uh, you know, the way I kind of look at it is like, you can assemble a lot of great people into your business that doesn't make your business great. Right. So people can become, your greatest liability you, you want your people and I'd say it's more your culture is your greatest asset your, your people are more like your greatest liability um, <laughs> so you know if, if if you operate in the absence of any concept uh, of culture then yeah it's uh, it can it definitely redefine um, you know the the path the business is, is going to take and so once again it's just you know, we know what we're creating. We know how we want that journey to feel. And we know that culture is uh, fundamental to bringing that to life.
0: Definitely. No, I I agree with you. I know we always say that if you don't define your culture, it will be created by default within any organization. So, you know, being conscious about what you create is, is so important there. I just wanted to just ask you a couple of questions about 2020. I know 2020 has been an interesting year to say the least for most of us, for all of us, for the whole world uh, with COVID. Can you tell me a little bit about any of the challenges that you've gone through in 2020?
1: Yes. Uh, Let's, I think the whole world went into a state of shock. Um, Yeah. You know, we uh, certainly, you know, I, I didn't quite fully appreciate the implications of what was uh, about to unfold. So as an entrepreneur, you know, you, uh, you need to be responsive to you know the macro kind of scenarios that are impacting or potentially could impact your your business so part of it it's kind of exciting you know as an entrepreneur you know you're you're looking to you know to be able to navigate these stormy uh, waters but first and foremost though you know this we're talking about a pandemic that is a, a real you know threat to people's well-being so you know yeah. first thing it was to focus okay how do we keep our people you know, safe and, you know, ensure their well-being, but at the same time ensure the productivity. So uh, we went through kind of uh, like a lot of businesses, you know, uh, we needed to put in a lot of very, very specific measures to ensure, you know, that we were keeping people safe. And, you know, thankfully the world responded with a, a major shift to digital and to virtualization. And, uh, you know, I think it was a major, major an essential tool to maintain the productivity, but, and I guess I didn't even fully appreciate how productive people could be using some of these new digital tools uh, because we certainly weren't using them in the past. So, uh, and of course, that was great for <laughs> the first couple months, and then uh, and then you know then you start getting you know Zoom fatigue, and while well, we <laughs> actually use Microsoft Teams, and you know it's yeah it's so at one point you appreciate that this is actually allowing your business to maintain. Uh, it's, uh, I don't know, there's not just productivity, but there is still that level of connection, like to be able to see someone's face when you're speaking with them, uh, especially, you know, they could be, you know, 3000 kilometers away, but there's also, you start to feel, uh, it's eroding that necessity of that energetic exchange. It's not the same when you're looking through computer screens as it is, You know, huddling your team into a a meeting room and you know having those those engaging interactions, uh, you know, this spontaneity that can arise when when you simply bring people together. You know, I think generally people in our organization really care about each other, and you know, it's there's you just miss people. So that that was definitely a big element. And then of course, for a lot of people, it's you know the isolation that there's um, potential impacts of an infection from. Uh, SARS-CoV-2, but it's the, you know, the isolation, and maybe it's even a, of greater magnitude, you know, people are really, really suffering out there, you know, it's hard, it's, you know, we don't put enough emphasis on on mental well-being, and uh, the stats are clearly showing that uh, people are really, really struggling with this, and, um, you know, hopefully the the news around some of the vaccines that there's there's certainly light at the end of the tunnel that you know, the vaccines are have not been rolled yeah, out yet. Huge. It can give someone the necessary kind of uplift to say, okay, look, you know, we can do this. We'll get through this. There's a, a bright light on the horizon. You know, for me specifically, with small food being such a, a large project in scope to build out a whole new factory, you know, uh, complete all the technology developments, the company has been raising capital and it's been interesting, you know, in 2020, to look at how this has impacted investment capital, you know once again, you know, the world went into a state of shock, so a lot of the the capital that was available in 2019 just froze. and uh, you know, fund managers were and investors were really saying, "Look, you know there's too many unknowns here. We need to be very careful uh you know let's you know let's redirect a lot of our focus into our existing portfolio of companies." because they may need those cash resources that we have, you know, maybe you haven't, uh, deployed, uh, fully your fund, but you know, you're, you're certainly going to keep a much larger buffer based on what was going on in the world. Everyone though, that was introduced to the small food story just was got really, really excited, you know, but there was, to be honest, there was a lot of great, but can we push this out, this conversation out another six months? Um, so I I found things really started to shift uh, as far as those conversations and in the world being open again to uh, to have meaningful conversations around you know investment strategic investment in companies like clean technology companies and sustainable food companies which we you know we fall under both those umbrellas right so that that changed maybe right. six six weeks ago so sometime in um, kind of uh, we'll say end of September early October. So that's that's been a very you know positive thing. so it's it's interesting to see the world go through really definable phases, and I, I think clearly we're we're in a, a different phase than we were you know back in you know July, August.
0: Definitely. Do you think that that shift um, had to do with just the fact of the uh, you know those the vaccines being developed and just maybe that sense of hope or positivity for for people?
1: I don't think so. No, I I think that is uh, certainly is having an impact, but I think a lot of people struggle with uh, uncertainty, mm-hmm. and I think the first six months was just defined by a lot of uncertainty. We don't know really what the the implications of this is going to be, but eventually over time, you know, there's been a lot of information gathered. Um, we have a better sense, even from an economic perspective, how this is having an impact on the. Uh, businesses and markets across the world. But, um, and even though it's not necessarily a positive thing, it's like we have data, we have information and we can make informed decisions. And I think what um, what I saw emerge was uh, this whole idea of, of kind of purpose-led investments or in, most people call it impact investing, right. they saw this as a whole new platform, or not a new platform, but a larger platform. The stage was set now to have a much bigger voice, to have much bigger impact. When the world started to have conversations around the recovery of our society and our economy, they said, look, let, this is our chance to, to truly make that mark. How do we want, we know we need to change. You know, so when the times are really good, kind of like those larger macro phases of growth, nobody wants to change. It's like, you know, you know, I, I love, you know, my rate of return, my portfolios are doing really, really nice. And uh, life is not perfect, but it feels like it's going in a positive direction, whether or not it really is. Of course, when it comes to climate change, it clearly was not. It hasn't been for a long time.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But I think now with the pandemic and how it has impacted our economy, people are open or adamant to say, look. The ship was broken, it's been broken for a long time. We gotta fix it, how are we gonna fix it? So what companies do we want to invest in? Which ones are going to uh, define the future for humanity in this planet? And now is the best time ever. There's no better time than now, but the next decade will define the future of our planet in ways that we can't even imagine. Truly, I I truly believe, you know, we're living in an existential crisis and, and we're starting to see the mobilization of resources in a very positive way, an acceleration effect on things like, uh, well, once again, you know, you can distill, if you really want to make a difference, you, you really need to uh, to look very closely at uh, the energy sector, as well as our food sector. Those are the two key ones for, uh, you know, really making a meaningful difference for climate change. Excellent.
0: Yeah. Like you said, it, you know, it's really, it has been or it is a time of crisis, not just COVID, but- over the last, you know, quite some time. But I I do believe that out of crisis always seems to come great innovation. So I think, you know, it's a wonderful time for businesses to be able to step up with innovative ideas. What advice would you give to others from things you've learned this year? And if they're looking at starting something innovative?
1: Well, yeah, it's,
0: um, <laughs> I know it's a broad question. Well, I, I
1: find the young, the, yeah, it is. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, tell them all the things that, uh, I did that I would recommend not doing. <laughs> that's a long list. Uh, it's great when you can learn from your mistakes and, uh, and truly kind of still move forward in a sense, you know, you're, you're not held back by them, but, uh, you know. If I can impart, you know, some of that knowledge onto young entrepreneurs, you know, that's kind of, you know, what I would like to do. And of course, part of my role in the community here is to act as a mentor with a lot of the young entrepreneurs. And it's amazing to see it's, there's a different mindset. And certainly in Halifax, for instance, you know, we have all this new energy around startups and startups a a lot in the IT, med tech starting to see some more in kind of like the agri-food tech so there's a lot of really positive things that have happened you know it's uh, there's a nice pulse to this whole kind of idea of uh germinating that next crop of of businesses that once again will redefine this this city and i feel very fortunate to be able to work with uh, a number of them they're certainly by default they're more socially environmentally conscious you know they purpose-led comes a little bit more naturally to them. But uh, once again, going back to that whole idea of, you know, it's purpose-led, but not purpose bled mm-hmm. I work with a lot of technology companies and they have, of course, amazing technology. And, you know, this is technology that, the, that we need to bring into the world. It's going to make a difference. But then building that commercial foundation for them, that's, you know, that's the real work. And it's hard to go from, from being, you know, an academic researcher or someone who just spent so much time in the lab for the last ten years developing these amazing ideas that are truly commercial, but you know, it's you're 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 building a business around it too. So, so really working with these um, these young founders to understand the concepts of uh, what is a, a more of a conscious business model uh, that can support, I, like every every company has. Has a purpose, right? It's like unfortunately, yeah. sometimes that purpose is is uh, is purely profit driven. Right. And you know, I'm not here to to criticize or purpose, but I truly believe that the a lot of these uh, these young entrepreneurs today are their purpose is they're looking to solve social issues. They're they're looking to solve environmental issues, and so I want to help them to build those business models, and then to help them to to then operate build the confidence and, and the, the systems to be able to operate those in a way that you know it it helps to make them a lot more capital efficient a lot more conscious in their in their decision making certainly creating that clarity and alignment uh the it all starts of course as you and i both know is is you know you need to define what it is you're creating in the world you know and, and at what scale too but it's what i find is is missing a lot of times is is there's not a lot of effort put in defining how you want that journey to feel, and therefore a lot of times it doesn't go down the path that you ultimately would want and mm, it's yeah. it's kind of it's a bit tragic and of course it's it's so uh it's a common story for a lot of entrepreneurs uh they reach those moments of of crisis and you know uh and doubt and frustration and you know question whether or not they even want to do this anymore and it's it's unfortunate in a business that you you know, maybe absolutely loved, you know, for a number of years, you know, you almost start to resent that. And of course, I had that, that moment, you know, in my entrepreneurial past. So once again, empowering them with the capabilities, the knowledge, to be able to map out that journey and give them the tools to really run successful businesses.
0: Wonderful. Thank you. Mark, just one last question. Um, You talked about the journey. Just tell me a little bit about how you want your journey to feel.
1: Wow, that's a <laughs> that's a good one to end on. It's a that's a, a difficult because I, I I think I gosh I I've been asking myself a lot that same question like almost every morning, and uh, it's been it's been a a very challenging year. Uh, and we you know if you talk about you know energy per se, uh, it's important to manage your energy. And I found that I was. I was very challenged, uh, to do that at, at certain points, uh, you know, this year. Um, so certainly what I've, I've come to appreciate that is that where I can create the magic is there's a certain pace, uh, that I need to achieve. And when I drift outside of that normal kind of that pace, I can definitely feel, the changes, uh, the changes in terms of um, my ability to uh, be creative, be innovative. Um, sometimes I, you know, I get too caught into the weeds, and you know, you lose track of kind of like the that broader vision that that those you 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 move too too many layers uh, down in context, and uh, and uh, that I found has been quite a challenge for me so the 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 key learning for me though has been you know you need you need to lean on your team you know there's there's always going to be moments uh or or phases where the business is going to go through uh a bit of struggle and uh you know my my lesson as as an entrepreneur and which i'm apparently i'm still (laughs) learning is um yeah don't be the martyr don't uh don't feel like you have to carry the weight of the world on your shoulders, that uh, there's a reason you have a team and that team is there to support you. So, um, make sure that, um, you're really uh, leaning on your team, um, because I think they truly want to be there for you. And for me, that, uh, that key learning will definitely, I know that will allow me to continue to, you know, be on that journey that feels really good for me that, like I said, like I to bring that magic into the whole uh, experience, uh, ultimately feel like I'm growing, that I'm being fulfilled. and um, you know, and that I'm energized to uh, to continue to create and help support in any way I can, you know, uh, the the transformations that we really need to see, uh, you know, in this world over especially over this decade.
0: Wonderful. Thank you so much, Mark, for uh, sharing your magic with us today. I'd like to give a big thanks to Halifax-based entrepreneur, Mark saint Thank you for listening. If you'd like to learn more, please follow us on Facebook at Imaginal Ventures or visit our website at imaginalventures.com.